0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles, your sermon notes. look with me to the book of Esther, about 10, 12 books in the Old Testament. Today we're continuing our study in Esther as, as we learn some lessons about how to handle difficult situations and difficult people. So kind of our focus this morning. And we wish life was easy and that we didn't, have to ha- we didn't have to deal with difficult people in difficult situations. But how many of you know that's not reality? Reality is, is there's difficult people in difficult situations that come to our address, that come to where we live. Now it would be interesting. How many of you would say this past week you had to deal with a difficult situation or you had to deal with a difficult person? Wow. Look, at, look around the room. How many of you were the difficult person? Come on, be honest. Sometimes I think I've got a bad situation and I'm the biggest problem in the midst of the situation. Sometimes we are the difficult person in the scenario. Recently I, I came across a humorous story of a husband and wife who were facing a difficult situation, and they were being difficult. Both husband and wife were being difficult in the midst of the situation. As a result of this conflict they were in, this husband and wife were were doing the silent treatment thing. Now, I know no husbands and wives here today would ever do that, but this couple, that's kind of how they were processing this difficult situation. Then the husband realized that the next day he had to catch an early flight to a really important business meeting. And so... He needed his wife to wake him up at 5 a.m. to catch this flight, but he didn't want to break this silent treatment and lose. Uh, God forbid that he would lose. And so he wrote his wife a note, said, uh, I need to catch an early flight. Please wake me at 5 a.m. And he placed the note in a place where she wouldn't miss it, where she would see the note. The next morning he wakes up, and it's 7 a.m., and obviously he's missed the flight. He's missed this really important business meeting, and he is furious. He's angry, and he's on his way to find his wife to find out why she didn't wake him up. And as he's on his way, he sees a note. It's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) Men are not made for a contest like that, I can tell you. Probably not the best way to deal with a difficult person or a difficult situation. So let's look at Esther's story and see if we can gain some insight this morning as to how we can better process through situations and deal with difficult, pe- and as we're dealing with difficult people as we left Esther's story last Sunday we discussed she had discovered this evil plot that had been set against her and her people by Haman which would be the annihilation of of all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire which we said last week historians would have said maybe 15 million 15 million people Well Mordecai who has adopted Esther, raised Esther. Now Esther, this Jewish woman, imagine that, an orphan girl who becomes the queen, finds herself in this place of influence. And Mordecai says to her, Esther, who knows if God might have raised you to this place of influence, this place of position. I love this statement, for such a time as this. In other words, Mordecai was saying to Esther, hey, it's time to speak up. It's time to use your voice. It's time time to take action. Now, as we discovered last week, Esther could not just like waltz into the king's presence. I mean, that that was taboo. That was was against the law. The only way you could go into the king's inner courtroom, the only way you could go into the king's presence is is if he called you. And as we said last week, he hadn't called Esther in 30 days. And so... Mordecai is saying to Esther, it's time to speak up. And she's thinking, how can I even get into the presence of the king to be able to use my influence, to be able to use my voice? And so she says to Mordecai, have the Jewish people fast for three days. She said, my maids and I will fast. Have all of the Jewish people fast. And then after three days, I'll make my move. I'll show up. I'll speak up. Matter of fact, chapter 4, verse 16 Esther made this statement when this is done when the fasting's done I will go to the king even though it's against the law and if I perish I perish Wow what a statement Now obviously Esther's dealing with a really difficult situation would you agree with that I mean we we're talking about the annihilation of 15 million, her whole family, her whole race wiped out. Difficult situation. And not only that, there's some really difficult people involved in this whole story. I mean, we have King Xerxes talking about an egomaniac. King Xerxes was power control. He was hungry for power. Um, a really um, difficult individual, difficult personality. And then we have Haman. Haman was full of envy and hatred toward not only toward Mordecai, but also to the Jewish people and so Esther finds herself in this painful unfair situation and the stakes are really high if she doesn't do something like there's the possibility that her family and the whole Jewish line would be wiped out unjustly murdered simply because they were Jews that was that was the case against them you know as I was thinking of Esther's situation I thought well there's so many parallels to her story Parallels in our own lives. Obviously, the stakes are probably not as high, but what would what was true for Esther would be true for us in life. Well, there's difficult situations and there's there's difficult people. As you look to your sermon notes, there, life's not only painful but it's also unfair. I have a, I have an opportunity to tell our teenagers that all the time. Life's not fair, and sometimes. Here's the reality. Sometimes even for Christians, even for Christ followers, sometimes life can be really painful. At times it, it, it seems as if everyone is against us and we have no solutions to the crisis we're facing, like there's no good options, like we're backed into the corner and there's no good solutions inside. Possibly it's a situation where you've lost your job, you've lost your employment, the bills are piling up and you see no solution in sight, the pressure's on. What are you going to do? talking about a difficult situation. Or possibly the situation is that the marriage relationship is not real healthy. Matter of fact, there's been a growing distance. You know there's a problem, but you don't know what to do with the problem. In the midst of the tension, the word divorce has come up. You know that's not the path that you should take, but you don't know what else to do. And that's not just a made-up scenario. That's a conversation I had just this week. Because it's the real stuff of life. Or possibly you're in a workplace, you're in a work situation where you have a boss that's really difficult. Or maybe you have a manager that's really difficult and the situation that you're in is unjust, it's not fair. You know you should speak up, you want to speak up, but you're afraid if you do speak up it could cost you your job and your family's depending on your income. Again, this is the real stuff of life. Like Esther, we find ourselves in difficult places dealing with difficult people. And in the midst of that, what happens is we can lose hope. Like, will this ever end? Will this ever be resolved? Will this ever, will this ever change? But in the midst of the challenges and the hardships of life, I, I would encourage you, to this truth, never forget that God is always present, even if He seems to be absent. He's always present. While we're waiting, He's working. When we're waiting, He's working. Working on our benefit, for our good. And when I come to situations that are difficult, and dealing with people who are difficult, and good news for us, none of them's in this service. They all come to the earlier services, so you're safe. <laughs> The other services there's some pretty difficult folks <laughs> but you don't have to deal with them but when I come to difficult situations where I'm dealing with a difficult individual there's a scripture that I've anchored myself to that I always go back to again and again I, I come back to this verse of scripture and it always brings me help It always brings me hope here it is Psalm 46 1 it says this our God is a rock and a refuge a rock one that I can stand on, a refuge, one that protects, one that I can depend on. Our God is a rock and a refuge, an ever-present help in time of trouble. He was for Esther and He will be for you as you're in that difficult situation, as you're dealing with, with difficult people. But God's a rock. Don't give up hope. Don't lose hope. While you're waiting, hear me, while you're waiting, God is working for your good. Well, as we left Esther's story last week, she had called Mordecai and, and directed him to have the Jewish people fast. So between chapters 4 and 5, we have like three days of waiting. There's this waiting while they're engaging God in the midst of the situation. The people have humbled themselves before God, seeking His help. And as we come to chapter 5, the three days are over. And Esther's ready to make her move. So I, I want us to pick up the story there. If you have your scripture, Esther chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. On the third day, being after the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace, in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting at his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. So in other words, Esther got all pretty up and she said, I'm just going to stroll in front of the king's inner palace. Man, that's like going bass fishing when you got that lure that's so enticing and you're trying to get that big bass. Esther knew exactly what to do. She got herself all pretty up. She said, I'm just going to stroll in front of the king's courtroom. Can you imagine what happened? The story tells us, picking up in verse 2, when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of his scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request, even up to half of the kingdom? It will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied, Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Verse 5, Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asked. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half of the kingdom it will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this, That the king regards me with favor. If it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, Let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare for them. Then... I will answer the king's question. So we have God working here behind the scenes, opening doors, creating opportunities for Esther. It's evident that God's favor with her, God's favor is with her, is she's like amazingly patient in the process. When given an opportunity to present her request to the king, rather than presenting the request, notice what she does. She invites the king to a banquet, Because this is what she knows. The king likes banquets that are all about him, right? He's the egomaniac, right? So she invites the king and Haman to a banquet. And they come and they enjoy great food. They enjoy some good wine. And the king asks again, what's, what's your request? Up to half of the kingdom. I mean, like he is just presenting this situation to her. She says, well, it. This is what I'd like. I'd like to throw a banquet for you again tomorrow so we can celebrate how great you are. And the king thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> so if you read this story, moving on to the end of chapter 5, Haman, who's the prime minister, leaves this banquet with the king and queen. He goes out and he's like men um, on top of the world, like life couldn't be better. He is so excited. He's like, I got to dine with the king and queen. No one else got to do that. I'm a really special guy. And as he's on his way out, guess who he sees? Mordecai. He hates Mordecai. Not only does he hate Mordecai, he hates the Jewish people. That's why he had this whole decree to have all of the Jews annihilated. And he hates Mordecai because Mordecai won't bow to him. Won't bow to his greatness. So he is highly offended. So he goes home to his wife and his friends, and he has this kind of mixture of emotions. First, he is elated like he was the only one who had this private meal, this private presence with the king and the queen. Like, wow, he is really something. But on the other hand, he's really agitated because there's Mordecai, and Mordecai won't bow to him. And he hates Mordecai. So his wife and his friends say, hey, you're the prime minister. Why don't you do something about it? Use your power. Use your position. Why don't you have a gallows built and just have Mordecai killed on the gallows? Now, when we think of gallows, we think of some, someone being hung from the gallows, like the, the Western movies, right? But, but the gallows in this day was something that an individual was impaled on. In other words, they would take a, a human body and... Uh, actually pierce a sharpened stake through the human body. Not only it would it be the death of the individual, but it was like humiliation, and that this individual would be hanging for everyone to see. They said to Haman, why don't you build a gallows for Mordecai and just have him killed? Deal with the problem. He said, that's a great idea. So if you read in the story, had a gallows built 75 feet tall. Like, he, he's going to do it good, Right? Well, interesting. Again, God working behind the scenes in this difficult situation. While Esther's waiting, God's working. If you come on to chapter 6, in between the first banquet and the second banquet, it's interesting. King Xerxes couldn't sleep. <laughs> you, you read this and you think, wow, that's kind of interesting. Oh, it's God at work. He gave King Xerxes a case of insom- insomnia, he couldn't sleep. So you know what he did? Because he's an ego-driven maniac, what did he do? He, He called his attendants and said, Hey, bring the chronicles of my reign and rule, and I want you to read about all the things I've done. And it would be, as God directed, that as his attendants opened this scroll, the chronicles of the king, guess what they read about? They read about this unnamed hero, this unnamed man who unveiled an assassination plot. There were two gentlemen who were going to kill the king. They had this whole plot laid out. And Mordecai found out about it, this Jewish man. And he went and told the king. And the king's life is saved. And they're reading this to the king. And the king asked this question. Like, what was done for that man? I mean, obviously somebody should do something because he saved me and I'm really important. And the attendant says, nothing was ever done for him. And King Xerxes says, well, we should do something. And so as it so happens, again, as it so happens, Haman is just coming into the court and the king says to Haman, what should we do to honor someone who's just like really great, who who saved the king? Well, Haman, because he thinks everything's about him, Haman thinks that, I mean, who else would the king want to honor but me, right? He says, this is what I would do. I would take a robe that the king has worn And I would place that robe robe on the man that you want to honor. And then I would get the king's horse dressed all up. And then I would take that man, I would place him on the king's horse, and I would have an attendant parade that man through the city so everyone can see how great he is. And King Xerxes says, I like that idea. Go get Mordecai and put him on the horse, and you take him through the city. Is that not hilarious? I love this story. You say God doesn't have a sense of humor. I'm telling you. The very man that he hated, Haman has to honor. Then we come to chapter seven. Now it's time for the second, the second banquet. So let me pick up in verse three just a couple more verses. When Queen Esther answered, If I found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, Grant me my life, this is my petition, and spare my people, this is my request. For I and my people have been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is the man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, the adversarian enemy is this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. make a long story short, here's what happens. The very gallows that Haman had built to have Mordecai killed on, he loses his own life on. In other words, the whole table is turned. God at work and then the king he didn't recall the decree that had been established but he wrote a second decree in the law it was basically this the jewish people could defend themselves any people or nation that would come against them they had the right to bear arms to defend themselves a crisis was a time of crisis would turn to a time of celebration a time where it looked like there was devastation and destruction for the jewish people god turned to their benefit and for their good So again, in this story, what do we see? We see a difficult situation and we see difficult people. How do we deal with difficult situations and difficult people really quick? Let me just walk you through about three or four lessons that I think we can pick up from this story. Here's here's the first lesson. When preparing for an unprecedented event, wait on the Lord before getting involved. Wait. We don't like that word, do we? Anyone in the room very, and not very good at waiting besides me? I don't wait well. Just my personality type, I have a bias to action. And I can tell you in the history of my life, more than once i found myself running before God and I've created trouble. And here's the tendency, oftentimes we create our own problems and we blame God for what we created. I know you wouldn't do that, but your neighbor besides you would. (laughs) Because we're not good at waiting. But when you have an unprecedented event, when you have a difficult situation that you're processing through, wait on the Lord before getting involved. There are human tendencies that we want to make something happen. We find ourselves in difficult situations. The last thing we want to do is wait. Matter of fact, I think we're much better at taking action than we are waiting. But oftentimes, I find that when we're not willing to wait, again, what do we do? We just kind of like mess things up. But notice, notice how Esther waits for the right time. And there's, in the story that we just read, there's, first there's three days of waiting, fasting and prayer, before she presents herself to the king. And then the king asked her, like the first time she presents herself to the king, he asked her, Esther, what do you want? Up to half of the kingdom. But what does she do? She waits because she knows the timing's not right yet. So she waits. In the midst of her waiting, God's working. In chapter 6, the king has insomnia. This whole story of Mordecai and how Mordecai is honored and and God's softening the king's heart. What? While she's, get this, while she's waiting, God is, is working. Listen, folks, God works in our patience and He works in our circumstance as we give Him time. At least as important as the thing we're waiting for is the work God does in us while we're waiting. Oftentimes, I believe that God creates timelines and situations because he's working in us to refine us, to grow us, to mature us, to grow our faith, to grow our understanding of who he is, but there's there's a time to act, and I'm not against acting I think there at some point we have to move, but when we move' it's really is really important so we there's a time to wait. There's a time to act. And we, we need to know the difference between the two. So when you're preparing for an unprecedented event, it's a wait, wait on the Lord until He directs, until, until He gets involved in the situation. Here's a second lesson I think we can learn from Esther's story. When dealing with an unpredictable person, count on the Lord to open doors and open hearts. Listen, this is what I know about our God. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can open doors that no one else could ever open. He can soften the heart of an individual that enables you to have a restoring conversation. Said, Only God can do that. When you're dealing with an unpredictable, difficult person, count on the Lord to open doors and open our next story. We have this destruction and devastation that seems to be certain for the Jews. The king set set into order this decree that that would allow people throughout the Persian Empire to kill all the Jews. All of this has happened because of two unpredictable, difficult individuals, being King Xerxes and and the wicked Haman, the prime minister. However, in the midst of the crisis, what do we see? We see God working to open doors and soften hearts. I mean, you have Esther who presents herself as she's strolling by the king's court. He invites her in. And immediately says, "What do you want up to half of the kingdom? what do we we see God at work in the midst of this this whole story and proverbs sixteen seven says when a man's ways are pleasing the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him when your ways what are pleasing to God, when he softens hearts he he opens doors, so be encouraged this morning. If you have an unpre- unpredictable, difficult person you're dealing with, someone that like always seems to be working to your harm, someone that's that's um, difficult to interact with, and you know you might have to be spending Thursday with them, right? Anyone besides me have difficult family members? That sermon right on time, right? All day Thursday, you're going to get to hang out with them. How might God open a door? How might God soften a heart? How might God work in that situation? Because just as, he, just as He opened this door for Esther, just as He softened the heart of the king, just as He made a way where there seemed to be no way, what I'm convinced, what He did for Esther, He can, He will do for you. So don't lose hope. Don't lose hope in the midst of that situation. Maybe it's been going on for a week or three weeks or three years. Don't lose hope. God can open doors where there seems to be no way. He can soften hearts. Here's the third lesson quickly that we can learn from Esther's story. When working through an unpleasant situation, trust the Lord for enduring patience. For most of us, patience doesn't come easily. Like we're so conditioned by our culture today. We want quick fixes and we want fast solutions. And when you're walking through like an unpleasant situation, we just want relief as quick as possible. Patience is like, not a, it's not a virtue that we seem to excel in our culture today. I know just yesterday I, I stopped by McDonald's, which is supposed to be a fast food restaurant, Right? fast food. And it was an experience. And I, I thought I wanted to talk with a manager. And as I was reflecting on those situations, I, I thought it's probably best that I don't talk with the manager. Um, but then I came to realize I was part of the problem. It wasn't just the employees there. I mean, think about how ridiculous this is. I wanted them to know what I wanted and have it ready before I ever got there. I'm not very patient and I don't think I'm the only one that has that problem often times we, because we're not patient we, we, we run ahead and we find ourselves creating a greater problem so when you're working through an unpleasant situation trust the Lord for enduring patience I mean, I mean here's Esther in this story the first time she's in the presence of the king, he says, what do you want, up to half of the kingdom? I mean, it seems to me like she has the king in the palm of her hand, right? But notice how amazingly patient she is. Obviously, she knew the time wasn't right. So what does she say? I, king, I just, I want to honor you again tomorrow with another banquet. Will you come? And again, in the midst of all that, we see God working. And then there was the second banquet, and the king asked again, and it was time for her to present the rest. But again, she was so patient in the process. Listen, in situations that are unpleasant, I believe that timing is as important as action. Maybe more so. So pace yourself, have patience, give God the opportunity to work in the unpleasant situation and who knows what he might do and how he might work for your good. There's great wisdom in the proverb, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32, the message paraphrase reads like this, moderation is better than muscle and self-control better than political power. But to be patient. So you're working through an unpleasant situation. Trust the Lord for enduring patience as you worship and as you wait. God will work on your behalf as you worship and as you. Notice I didn't say as you whine as you wait. That's not what I said. As you worship and as you wait. Again, you'll be amazed how God works in your situation. Lastly. Here's the fourth and final lesson I believe we can learn from Esther's story. When standing against an unprincipled enemy, ask the Lord for invincible courage. Ask the Lord for courage to wait. Because sometimes, friends, it takes courage to wait. Ask the Lord for, for courage to speak when you need to speak. Courage to act when you need to act. I believe that's what happened to Esther in the midst of, of the first banquet. I, I believe, as I read this story, I believe that she sensed this growing invincibility and courage, even in the presence of her mortal enemy, as she waited on the Lord's timing. I mean, here she is. I mean, think about this, a young Jewish woman in the presence of the king of the Persian Empire, in the presence of the prime minister, talking about an intimidating situation and some intimidating personalities. But we see this courage rise within her, this confidence. So, when you're standing against a difficult individual, an unprincipled enemy, a difficult situation, ask the Lord for invincible courage. And watch how he works in and through your life as he did for us. I mean, she was not timid, she was not fearful. Like when she knew the timing was right, what would she do? She stepped up and boldly made her request. Just save my people and this is the man. Here's the problem. It's wicked Haman. The courage that I believe God brought in her, in her life to take a stand when she needed to take a stand for such a time as this. But there was a, there was a Holy Spirit courage that, that rose within her. May it be the same in your life. So when you're facing an unprincipled enemy, an impossible situation, this is what I would encourage you to. Don't lose hope. Pray for courage. Courage to move forward with faith and confidence. And remember, remember these promises of God's Word. Because again, I think at times we lose hope. Will this ever change? Is there a solution? Will God ever deal with this individual? We can lose hope. So in the midst of that, I encourage you to come back to the promises of God's Word. 1 John 4, 4 says this, Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. Isaiah 57, 17 says, No weapon formed against you will prosper. Romans 8, 37 says, If God's for you, who can be against you? Come on. If God's on your side, if God's working for your good, then who can be against you? If God can open doors that no one can open, so that as you put your trust in the Lord, as you recount His faithfulness, courage will grow in your life, enabling you to rightly confront that difficult person and rightly walk through that difficult situation. You'll have the right words at the right time. And God will work for your good. Listen, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. As you're dealing with that difficult person, that difficult situation, keep your focus on God. I said this earlier, but let me say it again. What do you want to do? You want to worship through it. Listen, if you wind through it, you may stay stuck there a while. And you'll be blaming God the whole time. Listen, it's not God's fault. But we want to worship through it. Keep our focus on God. And in the midst of that situation with that difficult person, as God worked for us, or I believe He'll work for you, it may not happen in a week, it may not happen in a month, it may not happen in two months, three months, two years. But while you're waiting, listen, never forget this, while you're waiting, God is working. Romans 8, I believe it's verse 37, says... In all things, God works for the good. In all things, that's the good times and the bad times. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. As you're waiting, God's working. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank You today for this story recorded from the history of the nation of Israel. Lord, of how You opened doors that no one could open. How You gave Esther not only insight and understanding, but God, how you worked on her behalf. That she might bring rescue for her people. That she might deal with this difficult situation and some difficult personalities. And from that, God, there's, there's principles, there's truths that we can garner, that we can, that we can learn to help us process difficult situations and deal with difficult people. Because that's the reality. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I, I would just pray for every individual here that they would, they would not lose sight of this truth, God, that while they're waiting, you're working. That you're always working. Sometimes it's behind the scenes, as it was in Esther's situation in her story. But God, you're faithful to the promise of your word. And as your word says, all things work together for the good of those who love you. God, that's us. So Lord, we embrace that promise this spirit. Lord, next week, next month, as we face a difficult situation or as we're processing through a, a crisis with a difficult individual, Holy Spirit, bring us back to the principles we talked about today. And may they guide us as we look to you and as you work on our behalf. with every head bowed and eye closed. Possibly you're here this morning and right now. I know it's the stuff of life, but today, even as we're in this service, you've been thinking about that difficult situation you're in. Listen, even people who love Jesus have difficult situations. Or maybe there's a difficult person. Maybe there's a Haman in your life. And you've been struggling with how do I deal with them. I want, to, I want to pray with you and for you before we conclude, before we go our separate ways. I want to pray for you about that difficult situation and how to handle that difficult person. So that you would you just raise your hand really quick? Well, I pray for folks across the main floor and the balcony. But again, this is the real stuff of life. Difficult situations, difficult people. So Lord, for those who are facing... That presently, God, I ask that you give them wisdom and insight. Give them wisdom to know when to wait and when to act. How to move and how to respond. And God, I ask that in that situation or dealing with that difficult person, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, that you would guide their words. And Lord, that you would, even as you did for Esther, that you would work behind the scenes. To order the situation for their good. Because Lord, we believe the promise of your word. And we anchor ourselves to it. That all things work together for the good of those who love you. They're called according to your purpose. So Lord, I just ask that you sustain them. Lord, help them to be patient when they need to be patient. Give them courage to act when they need to act. And Lord, reveal your greatness in the midst of that difficult situation. And dealing with that difficult person. And God, I I thank you. Lord, what I believe is that what you did for Esther, you're going to do for them. You're no respecter of individuals. So, Lord, we leave this place in expectation. Lord, if it means that we have to wait a month or two months or three months, God, I thank you for how you're going to sustain us and grow us in the process. Because Lord, what I know is that Your time frame's not always our time frame. So Lord, again, when we need to wait, help us to wait. When we need to move, help us to move. When we need to speak, help us to speak. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.